Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, folks. And welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burke. Here, as always, with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. We discuss everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to that on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed uh, on Apple Spotify. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe because uh, then you won't miss an episode when we drop these on Mondays. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris. Zach's at Zach TNT on Twitter. At A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And A to Z Sports dot com for everything that Zach writes about the Vols. And uh, I write about the Vols. So, with that out of the way, Tennessee. South Carolina this weekend, yet another blowout for the Vols. This one was a little bit different because it didn't go as smoothly for the entirety of the game as the Missouri game did, but still Tennessee wins by 25 points. Can't complain too much, but uh, you watched it. I watched it. What's up, Zach? I'm still kind of amazed at that first quarter. I mean, that was about as much fun as I've had watching a Tennessee game. And I mean, it's been a long time since I've really felt that way. Not even some of the Butch Jones era games like the Georgia and Florida games. You know, they, they tend to get down early in those games. We don't we're not used to seeing Tennessee come out of the gate just firing on all cylinders like that. It's really amazing it was fun i was just in disbelief i really didn't even know what to tweet at one point i was just looking at my phone like i I can't believe this is really happening it is becoming pretty clear that a strong suit of josh heupel's is the opening drives of a game he's good at choreographing that because if you you're not super familiar with how preparation for a football game goes a lot of times coaches will specifically choreograph their opening drive and and maybe beyond that if they can but they come out with an idea of what the other team will do they have a set of stuff where they go this this is how we'll do it and hype whatever hypel is doing in the preparation for that is phenomenal because it's just catching these teams off guard or just scheming around them and and it doesn't even matter and it's just yet another thing that so far I've been impressed by by Heupel with. And I, all all credit to him. So far, you're winning the games you're supposed to win. If if Hooker would have played earlier in the season, you'd be, what, four, four, five and one mm-hmm. right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, he's just four. like Alabama. Just like Alabama. Exactly. You would, you'd be with the same record and 
frankly, just as good as Alabama um, at, it, at five and one. Yeah, can't be disputed. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I just don't have that many criticisms. I, I was telling Jonathan Crompton this on our post game show. Like, there's a few specific things that we could go into here. Like, special teams needs to improve. Hey, Mike Eckler, mm-hmm. get off Twitter and get into the get on the practice field. Start getting these boys prepared. But other than that, I mean, you beat South Carolina by 25 points. What am I supposed to say? That it just you won by 25 in an SEC game, and that I I just don't have that much to complain about. As as complainy as most people that listen to this show know, I am. And I think the win against South Carolina here is it's really great because I think if you compared Tennessee to another program, the state of the program, South Carolina is probably the closest comparison in the sec as far as the success they've had in recent years they've kind of went back and forth uh i don't know what exactly the series is over the last 10 years but i bet it's close to a 50 50 split uh maybe tennessee has a couple more wins but i mean that's that's really the closest comparison that you have they both have new coaches uh, they're they're both starting over after firing former Nick Saban assistants, and Tennessee's way way ahead of where South Carolina is right now. I'm not even close, honestly. I know I'm sure we'll get into it. The second half of the Tennessee game was not pretty. South Carolina outscored them 13 to seven, but the way Tennessee scored at ease in the first uh, first half, does anybody really think that South Carolina suddenly figured out how to stop that offensive attack? I mean, Tennessee slowed their tempo down. They don't have a lot of depth. There was guys hitting the ground, staying on the ground for a long time. That's, I mean, Tennessee really, instead of playing Ole Miss this week, they really need a bye week. It'd be really nice if this bye week was earlier than it is for Tennessee. But that's what Heupel did. He slowed the game down. He 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 took his foot off the gas. He knew what he was doing. South Carolina got kind of close in the second half, and you saw Tennessee go right back to the tempo to pick up some first downs and kind of put the game out of hand. I watching it initially, it as a Tennessee fan, I certainly tensed up and went, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are mm-hmm. we doing? But I mean, you look at that scenario, you are you are so far ahead. <laughs> I can't necessarily blame Josh Iba for going, okay, let's take take a beat, take a minute, and and we're gonna I mean, what did Tennessee throw like three passes in that second half? I think I saw somebody say that. Yeah. 25 yards of total offense in the third quarter. They weren't really even trying. It was, and, and and part of that too was, I think it was Jerome Carvin today, a senior offensive lineman for Tennessee, that admitted they weren't really focused in the second half. It almost makes you think that this team's not used to playing with a lead like this. Uh, They're almost (laughs) bored. I don't know if bored's the right word, but they they really didn't know how to react to, to, being in the lead like that. That's something they're going to have to learn how to do. They're going to have to learn how to play from ahead. Clearly, uh, when when they play in these games with these lower-level teams, that is just going to be the case because you just score in such a deluge of points uh, that, I mean, 28-0 in the first quarter. Like, that's... You're not, coming, you're not coming back from that. If When you're up 28 points, it doesn't matter what team you are like Tennessee fans we feel that because we went through Butch Jones and that man loved giving up big leads that was his MO but like you're not coming back from coming back from 28 points down would be one of the great comebacks of college football and you gained that kind of lead in the first quarter of this game 
So yeah, I know everybody got tense, me included, but realistically, like Josh Heupel getting conservative there. Yeah, you can't do that against a better team and in a closer game. If you're up by 14 against Kentucky here in a few weeks, you can't do that. You can't do no. that. You have to put pedal to the metal, and I'm sure Heupel realizes that. But you were just, you were smashing them. You, you were killing them. And so I I can't I can't complain about that too much. I, I know a lot of people were, were antsy about it. But really, the only thing that I, I walked away from that game thinking about was really the special teams. They're really the only part of this team that has had a true gaffe two weeks in a row now. And beyond that, I look at this and I go... You you were set up nicely going into this uh, Ole Miss game because you, I don't want to say that you were able to rest your players, but you didn't have to give a ton of emotional and physical crazy effort in that second half to win that game. You rested them as much as you could while still playing an SEC schedule, and Ole Miss just exhausted themselves in an absolute track meet. Like this is set up for a trap game for Ole Miss, and I think I don't know that you could ask for much more from Heupel to this point. That's like I hope that people realize I am as cynical as a Tennessee analyst can get to my own detriment, to the point where people rag on me constantly about that, and rightfully so. I am, and I say it. I am as cynical as it comes. I just like I don't have stuff to bitch about at this point. <laughs> I, I don't. It's crazy. And all credit to Josh Heupel so far. Now, we probably will after this Ole Miss game, and we did in the weeks past. But, I, you know, with these two games and back-to-back weeks, he has set this team up for success, and I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, the only thing that I really think that this team needs to work on is their two-minute drill. That's what really makes me nervous because they've had a couple of situations here where they've tried to run this two-minute drill, and, and Heupel's trying to go with tempo saving his timeouts. I understand why he's not using the timeouts, but it's also got them in situations where they didn't put the points on the board that you'd expect because they ran out of time. And I do wonder, like, this Ole Miss game, that's the type of game, it could be just like the Ole Miss-Arkansas game last week where it's coming down to the last possession, either to maybe tie the game or take the lead, and how effective is the offense going to be, you know, trying to go down the field if there's, 45 seconds on the clock and you have three timeouts. Uh, at that point, you can't really use your tempo because you got to save time. Is the offense going to be effective without that tempo? I, th- I think that's the only situation that I'm kind of nervous about uh, going into this really tough stretch of games where really I feel like the only must-win game is Kentucky. Uh, you're still probably going to be bowl eligible beating South Alabama and Vanderbilt so that you should have that wrapped up seven and five looks so much better than than six and six because you're guaranteed a winning season no matter what happens in a bowl game man if you could get that Ole Miss game if you can steal that game somehow and I didn't feel like it was possible a couple of weeks ago that would be huge but I think that two minute drill is gonna be really important for them Uh, I do agree with that completely it's it hasn't really Bitten Tennessee too hard that sort of two minute scenario. He but just has to prove it to me. Exactly. I haven't seen its true effectiveness. We've we've said it here. I get what he's doing, and we all sort of understand that it is all about that tempo and catching the defense on their heels and blah blah blah. But you do have to consider saving that time. And I look at it and I do go. In other scenarios, he adapts. Like in the second half. I mean, he slowed stuff down. 
ran the ball, almost entirely ran the ball. He essentially stopped throwing the ball uh, and took that element out of the game. And, and so I go, well, he's adapting in these other parts of the game. So surely in this portion, you would also to give yourself the most success possible, but maybe he just believes that that tempo setup is what gives him the best chance to win. I'm not sure I agree, uh, but that's, it's all just coaching philosophy and that will, I, I need evidence to see that it bites us in, in the butt. Cause I feel like that's in no way do I want to give anybody a pass here. If it's egregious, I'm going to say it, but it is common among coaches at every level in football to have clock management issues in a tight game. That's it's hard to be perfect in that scenario because you just have a million different decisions that you can make and one will send the thing flying off the rails and the other will win you the game. And then, and it's, you know, it's easy for us to sit back and go, Oh, it's of course they need to slow it down and do all these things. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't, you know, it's, it is something that like you're saying there, I'm going to need to see it fleshed out in a tight scenario and a tough game against a better team and see how it goes. Tried it against Florida at the end of the first half. I didn't like it then. Didn't like it against South Carolina in this game. Is that enough evidence for me to write it off completely yet? I'm I'm not sure, but I would say it's getting there. <laughs> I, I will say I like I feel like I trust Hypel. Not that I trust him to go, you know, twelve and or ten and two or whatever, but I feel like his confidence, he has this it's hard to explain. He has this confidence about him where Pruitt was confident, confident, but it was almost like a, you know, I'm better than you, this kind of asshole jerk confidence. And Butch was real defensive. Like he wanted you to buy what he was selling and it, nobody bought it. Hypel just seems kind of at ease and he just has this quiet assuredness about him where I feel like Maybe inside he's panicking and he just hides it really well. I don't know. But he looks like in these situations, like he's calm, cool, and collected, and he knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows the situations, I mean, what he's expecting to see, what he's hoping to see. And he just, I just trust him to handle it. I think that's because he's been in a lot of big games. He's played in a lot of big games at Oklahoma, coached in a lot of big games at Oklahoma, and, and later Missouri and UCF. He has a lot of experience, more experience than any coach that Tennessee's hired really ever. Uh, well, since maybe, you know, before Fomer in the last Nature. 30 years. Yeah. It's been that long since you've had a head coach that, that came to Tennessee with this much experience. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like I trust him. Uh, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe it I is. should know better than doing this because I've done it too many times, but it does feel different. Exactly. I don't want to say I trust a coach because it has bitten me every single time I have mm-hmm. ever done that. Yep. For for a few days in early 2015, I watched Butch oh. coach and I went, hey, this looks pretty good for, um, I would say, what, to halftime of the Oklahoma game. I went, mm-hmm. all right, okay. And then from there, I pretty much... It was off a cliff, but <laughs> you know, I there were moments with Pruitt where I went, "This is ugly," but you are winning. That's something. And here, I would say, I feel more confident in what I've seen so far with Hypel than ever with either of the previous two dudes. So that's something, and especially more than with Dooley. Dooley never looked like he had it together. 
Um, like th- the other guys, you felt like you were having to convince yourself. Exactly. And Hypel, I'm watching it and being convinced. Yeah, because yes. I don't want to convince myself this time because we've done it, you know, w- with Dooley, Butch, and Pruitt three times in 10 years. Yeah, we've been fooled three times. I'm not going to, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking for the red flags. I want to expose the red flags as early as mm-hmm. possible with Hypel. If we see it, it, it we're going to jump on it. And really, the kind of slow down in the second half and, and the two minute situation we're talking about that that's really been it so far if i <laughs> i don't want to say i wish i had more to to complain about but i would certainly say i was expecting to have mm-hmm. much more to complain about at this point because it when you look at these situations you were touching on it earlier just talking about the separation between what we're seeing with tennessee and what we saw from south carolina there I mean, you had the single most transfers of any team in FBS football, a totally decimated roster from a roster that already only won three games last year. Now, three SEC games, but still only three games last year. And they were the three SEC games you're going to win this year. Almost, you know, obviously you already got Missouri and South Carolina out of the way. And you're, I mean, Vandy, if you lose Vandy, Hypel needs to be fired. Um, And so, you know. You take last season with that green assault, but then say your team was decimated and this is the result that we're seeing. And I just am, how am I not supposed to be impressed? Who is the person out there that's not impressed? I actually haven't seen them. I've actually been surprised by the incredibly positive tenor of Tennessee's fan base right now. (laughs) Except for that one crazy Twitter user that pops up in everybody's timelines. And you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He loves Pruitt, that guy. Yes. Yeah. I can't figure that out. It's the it's the Pruitt burner account. Yeah, he's in an. It has to be. I'm more convinced than ever that it's Pruitt or Pruitt's brother. There's one of the two because he tweets Probably just is. like Pruitt's brother. It. Def- I mean, it definitely. It could be. I. Who knows? Um, weirder stuff has happened. Uh, but. But speaking of South Carolina, you know who is disappointed is South Carolina fans, because they <laughs> they have the red flags that we're looking for. Shane Beamer. In that game, I there have been some goofy coaches. He he was reminding me weirdly, and this is not to equate Beamer to this coach in in coaching prowess, but just what I saw. Beamer looked like John Calipari when Calipari has to wrangle those teams of like 17-year-olds that he recruits every single year. You know, he puts six freshmen out on the floor. And so he has to scream at every play and go like, ah, why do you don't wait? About it? And he's constantly having to coach like crazy. That's what Shane Beamer looked like. And football is not basketball. You don't, there's, you know, 20,000 coaches on the sideline at any given moment, mm-hmm. along with your 100 players. And they all have their own role and they should be doing that. And he was just running around screaming. Hoorah. They gained five yards. He was pumping his fists and going crazy. And I, did you, you know, see the image of the score being like 38 yeah. to 7 in his arms <laughs> celebrating? Yes. I, I saw that. And, and it's uh, somebody posted it next to the picture of his dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The his Virginia arms Tech. up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what it was it? Wake Forest. Virginia Tech Wake Forest tied 0 0 at the end yeah. of the game. They went to overtime to 0 0, and, and Beamer, yeah, was cheering. I. It was weird. And that is a red flag. It felt Butch Jones-ish. It felt 
Oh, he said a lot He's of trying really jokes. hard. Yeah. And his post-game press conference, he said, uh, really, really proud that we didn't let this game get away from us. Like, you were the game was over by one o'clock on Saturday. I mean, it was done. It got away from you very fast. Man, I would so much prefer like a like a Rick Barnes there in his first two years. He just went up to the podium after most games and went, Yeah, we kind of stink. We're not good. This is not a good basketball team. The goal is the NCAA tournament. We're not going to make it, and this is bad. You know, he just kind of got up there and told it how it was. I would so, so much rather have a coach than than Shane Beamer. Like, after this game, you wrote about it, uh, where he said something along the lines of, we were like one play away from, yeah, from coming back from coming back in this game. No, you weren't. You weren't. You weren't. It might have felt like... You, I, I would say... It felt like there was the possibility that South Carolina could make it a game at all. That felt like a possibility. I would say that. It felt like you were going to get close there to making it like a 10-point game. Okay. You you got in the neighborhood of that, but no. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they still had to stop Tennessee a couple of... If they would have made the two-point conversion, they still would have had to stop Tennessee and get two more two-point conversions. Yeah. Um, I just didn't see it happening, but... Shane Beamer thought if that two-point conversion happened, there was going to be about 24 more points behind it. Hey, good good for him. You got to do what you got to do to motivate yourself. I don't know. But he certainly is doing things that I'm glad we're not seeing. I would put it that way. That's the best way that I could put it. Sorry, South Carolina fans. I don't think he's going to be Spurrier. I, I could see him putting together a couple of top 25 recruiting classes and and having a, a decent, you know, a seven-win season, eight-win season like that, and you go, okay, this is better than, you know, what Will it must be. Trip. Yeah. <laughs> but Who I, would go four and eight but somehow beat Georgia? Yeah, it's exactly. Uh, and, and I, you know, if they're happy with that, whatever. I don't think they will be. South Carolina, Spurrier raised they their didn't standards. Even, but they didn't even have, like, a coaching search for, for Beamer. I mean, was he was so just weird. the guy. He was the guy. Because wasn't he? He's like he's like pals with Ray Tanner, right, or something. They had like a long friendship, I think. And and well, apparently that paid off because they they didn't even look for a coach. They just said, you know, you're associated with. Well, he was at Oklahoma, right? And uh, I believe, yeah, with Lincoln Riley. I'd have to look. It's just kind of one of those things. It's like you're associated with him. You've you've been at South Carolina in the past. You're our guy. Didn't even look for. Anybody. And you had, it was a strange coaching cycle anyway this past year because they, you know, they were looking for a coach when Tennessee was not. So they, they could have went different avenues, but they, they just kind of settled on him off the bat. He has never even, I didn't realize this. He has never even been a, an assist, an ass, essentially an assistant coach. He's only been a position coach. Also, he, he's never been a coordinator, really. Never been a coordinator, not an assistant coach. He's never been a coordinator. Um, I wonder if they are somehow thinking, first of all, he was a GA at Tennessee. So Tennessee, uh, yeah, there was so in like (laughs) him and, uh, South Carolina's offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield were GAs at Tennessee at the same time. And then their offensive line coach was the offensive line coach at that time at Tennessee under Fulmer in like 2002 or three. And uh, Monterio Hardesty is South Carolina's running backs coach. I didn't so know there that. was a lot of Tennessee flavor on the sideline uh, 
the Saturday afternoon. They they can keep it. Uh, I'll I'll say that I've it's had, not working. <laughs> exactly. We've had enough of that. Um, as much as I love those guys, love Montario Hardesty's great guy, but we're good with who we got. Um, but the I do wonder, looking at this, if they had the thought of like we're gonna mimic Dabo at Clemson. Yeah, it feels. Oh, it feels that way. Cause it's it's a. Dabo had never been a coordinator. He was a what wide receivers coach, I think, at Clemson. Mm-hmm. They yep. they hired from within, yeah. and then they brought him up, and he was just this super rah rah guy. Who used to, I would say Dabo early on just kind of reminds me of Shane Beamer, goofy and sort goofy. of eccentric, yep. and yeah. Uh, and so maybe that's what Ray Tanner thought he was going to be cute and hire this dude, and it'll be a miracle turnaround. I think we, I, I don't know. We've all got to learn by now that the whole the copycat hires. I mean, n- not one of them has worked out yet. Never, not one. It's not going to because you can't, you can't recreate Belichick. You can't recreate Saban. You can't recreate these things that that work for those guys. You did finally though. Saban lost to an assistant. Oh yeah. After what it was, he twenty four and one now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did not see words. did not see that coming. I thought they would roll all over Texas A and M. It was really funny. Today, I mean that, that was a great football game. I don't know how Texas A&M pulled that out of their butt. I, that just what a weird game. That kid, that kid looked like he was totally lost against Mississippi State. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he's beating Alabama. I, the quarterback, I mean Calzada. But I, uh, I watched the highlights of that. I watched it live, but I watched the highlights of it um, in the last couple of days. And all of the comments, they were like. Give the coach an extension. I always knew that Jimbo could do this and that. And I was like, hold up. What? And so in the recommended videos there, there was the highlights for the Texas A&M Mississippi State game. (laughs) And you go there and six days earlier, everybody in those comments was like, this guy stole $75 million from us. Screw this guy. All he's doing is using Texas A&M as an ATM drive him out of here on a rail and the whiplash there is impressive, yeah. but I can't blame him. I, you know, you beat Alabama. <laughs> what are you supposed to say? <laughs> Watch him parlay that win in uh, against Alabama into an even bigger deal with like LSU. Ooh. I mean, oh, because the LSU. athletic director, the athletic director at LSU is the one that hired Jimbo at Texas A&M. So there's a He's- relationship there. And he's a big name guy. That is like his yeah. mo. I mean, yeah. he's gonna axe or drawn's done. They got oh, smashed absolutely. by Kentucky. That's he's a dead man walking. And he because he hired Kim Mulkey at LSU for their women's basketball mm-hmm. team, who's multiple time national champion, legendary coach at Baylor. And he pulls her away. She does have an LSU connection, so that was it. he had a yeah. little help there. But, but still, um, but and Jimbo he, was at LSU. You know, in, in that's true. And J- Jimbo at at Texas A and M, he he made that hire. Chris Peterson, he hired him at Washington. Oh yeah, that's true. Chris Peterson, which nobody ever thought Chris Peterson was going to leave Boise State. Um, yeah, so he's kind of a big name guy. I I could see that. I think there would be a mistake. I think Jimbo. I I mean, look, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. You know, it took Jimbo. I haven't watched a game. The Jimbo Fisher coached and went, this guy's worth 75 million bucks until this Alabama game. It took five years. Like for, for what me is to he worth? Like, he should have. Where is he at now without Jameis Winston in that one year? No. And, way. J- and Jalen Ramsey and those guys. 
Yeah, I mean, he he recruited a team good enough to win him that game. And, and I think with a better quarterback, he has he would have a really good team this year with a better quarterback. I think that's pretty clear because once you up the yeah. quarterback play, they beat Alabama. But, I mean, he's he's all just about if I bring in guys, they'll do the work for me, it seems like. Because I've just heard that he... I mean, that you saw it at the end of Florida State. He's a phone-it-in type of dude where he's like, mm-hmm. I'm the head coach. I'm not going to... Oh yeah, he you know dumb. that's yeah. not my job. Like and and so hey, co- co- coaching carousel is going to be really fun this year, I think. Yeah, because I <laughs> it was pretty funny. I tweeted out watching Kentucky just lay the wood on LSU. Um, I was just like, so who's going to be LSU's new coach? And a ton of people said Mark Stoops. I could I, see him. He's going to go somewhere. No way they've Florida they State. Actually, I mean, he's. If he does not leave Kentucky after this season, oh, this is it. He's got to cash. This in. is it. I mean, you just you can't. You just you can't keep doing this. Kentucky is just not sustainable in this way because uh, it just doesn't have that kind of brand and, and resource power when it comes to football. And so, I I don't know where he'll go. But that if I was Florida State, I'd give him whatever he wanted. I mean, yes, he, he was at Florida State before. They need. I mean, he's. A good coach, obviously. Say like Lincoln Lincoln Riley jumps the NFL, maybe. Oh yeah, that would that that would be interesting. Their their defense is horrible, and it's week over week. It's getting real close to biting them in the butt. They keep figuring out a way to win. But uh, I think we could see a lot of movement this year. I mean, already we know the USC jobs open. LSU's certainly probably going to be open. Um. Who knows if guys go into the NFL, what happens with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, Ugh. and does he try to dive back in to, to college football? I still think Urban Meyer is going to hold out for Notre Dame. I think that's his, the job he covets. Uh, Brian Kelly is another one. Like how I don't know. You still see coaches last that long. And maybe he goes to the NFL. I don't know. He feels like a guy who would. Uh, but er, it, it was gratifying. I will say this as a Tennessee sports fan, this past Sunday was the first time a team that I root for uh, beat Urban Meyer. So that was nice. Uh, the the Titans beat him by like twenty. Um, which that, that God, was he looks so he looks so depressed. Like he's just <laughs> he's so beaten down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just like they they had multiple opportunities in that game to come back. We had this big goal line stop, and you could just he he did the the hands on the knees, I'm having a heart attack mm-hmm. when we stopped mm-hmm. him at the goal line. And that was fun to see. Um, yeah. So that, that, Hey, that was gratifying, even though I'm still pretty pissed at the way the Titans are playing, but that's beside the point. Um, we're going way off the rails talking about uh, the, the coaching carousel. Bottom line is I am surprised at how positively I feel about Josh Heifel so far. Infinitely impressed compared to probably where I think, thought we would be at this point in the season. I probably thought there's a distinct possibility that you are in this position, but I don't know that I would feel even this positively about it as, as I do, you are smashing the teams that you are simply supposed to beat. Like I would have expected a close game with South Carolina, a close game with Missouri. You squeak them out. And then we feel great at this point. You are whipping them. Uh, and that's awesome. I think the fact like it, it has to, to a certain extent, grind Kentucky's gears that they're having this miracle season and people still look at the Tennessee game like 
Kentucky has to get through Tennessee. Like it's not a given that they'll beat Tennessee even in their best year. <laughs> but as gratifying as that might be, um, it, it's I, I well, it's it's good. It's weirdly good, and it leads us into the discussion about this Ole Miss game. I, I will say any other notes about the South Carolina game before we move on to Lane Kiffin and the old Rebels. Oh, no, I'm ready to move right on into Lane Kiffin. Oh, I mean, how, how did you feel about the black jerseys real quick? Oh, they were sick. Absolutely sick. Yeah. Those were awesome jerseys. I'm not – I mean, I, I can say – I know a, a lot of the older, more traditional folks were, were hating on them. Black's not even one of the colors in Tennessee, whatever. The jerseys are amazing. Look at the video where the players got the, – the jersey was introduced. They're freaking out. They think they're oh, so yeah. awesome. Like, it's – yeah, it's a gimmick, but it's a gimmick that's awesome. I love it. I was at, you might've been too. I was at the original black Jersey game. And so that's like meaningful to me on that level, because I remember being in the student section, just like losing my mind when they came out in those black jerseys. And so that it was cool to see that. I hope I do. I understand why they did it this past weekend, big recruiting weekend. You want to win in the black jerseys. You don't want to lose that game. So I understand it, but if they do it again, and I know there's been some talk about maybe the gray comes back uh, under Hypel, it'll be whatever the players want because he's made that pretty clear. I do hope it, it's at night. Because uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, that that 2009 game, electric. Uh, I would have liked to have seen that. It just doesn't hit the same at noon. I mean, here, but I love the jerseys. It, yeah. They're they're not going to, and they shouldn't wear the jerseys this week against Ole Miss. Now that you burned them against no. South, South Carolina, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't do not do it where you're wearing them every week. But uh, this game would have been so awesome because the rumor is that it's sold out or is about to be. It's very much right on the verge of being sold out. I actually tried to go. Let me see if it's uh, up yet. I tried to go to the website, the ticketing website earlier today. It is back up, but it was down earlier today. Mm. Um, let's see. see. Single game tickets available now. Let's see if there are any for Ole Miss. Availability limited. There are still some. Uh, Probably hard to get a seat, two seats together at this point, I bet. Four. There are only four sections remaining. Um they're at the tippy, tippy, tip top one, one seat in one section. This is just an advertisement for the University of Tennessee's ticketing system. Congratulations. I won't say the website here because they're not paying me. <laughs> um, there are two seats together in one section uh, in OO. There are two seats together uh, at this moment that will probably be gone by the time we post this. <laughs> probably. Um, but otherwise, so, I mean, you are literally talking nearly single digit seats left in so this entire stadium. Do you so. think this is the most hyped home game we've seen since 2015 Oklahoma? Is there it was, that level? There was never a game like this with Pruitt, so you can skip no. over all of that. Um probably because that is that is still to this day I think the loudest game I've ever been to at, at Neyland Stadium. I mean just the, the atmosphere there was so electric and the buzz when, when Tennessee got up by 17 points and everybody was just looking around going like, are we about to beat Oklahoma? Like, is this like I, 
almost never have I felt that energy since, since the earlier glory days in the late 90s, early 2000s. I have not felt that energy. Not a single time other than the first half of that game. And I guess the Florida game in 2016. Yeah. Um, but other than those two small instances, it Neyland Stadium has been devoid of that. I don't know if this will bring that kind of heat. I, I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty electric atmosphere. Just because, It's going to be electric, for sure. I mean, two weeks in a row, you've put up a lot of points. So people that were kind of on the fence about Hypo, they're buying in. Then you've you got Ole Miss coming to town. There's going to be a lot of Ole Miss fans there. And then there's the Lane Kiffin factor. Um, I know it's been I mean it's been 12 years and he still moves the needle. Uh, when you talk about him with Tennessee fans, he still stirs emotions. Uh, Butch Jones does too, but n- not quite like Lane Kiffin because people actually like Kiffin. You know, there's there's people now that like Kiffin that would have loved to have seen Kiffin come back. I would have loved to have seen Kiffin come back. I like the guy. I think he's great for college football, uh, but he's 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 a lightning rod. Uh, either way, you, you love him or you hate him, and that factor combined with the way Tennessee's playing, four and two, both teams coming off of big wins, it, it, night game, it's going to be the most fun game I think we've seen in a while at Neyland. I have mixed feelings about any time Lane Kiffin shows up back when he did it with Alabama, and, and especially now that he's coming as the head coach. Because, yeah, on one hand, he he will go down as one of the great characters of sort of our generation of college football, whether he wins big or not. People will look back and be like, remember how kind of goofy Lane Kiffin was tweeting all the time or whatever, you know, throwing headsets. But like (laughs) also at the same time, it will be cathartic and exercise demons if Tennessee beats Lane Kiffin. Like, there is still, to me, there is animosity there that is not necessarily directed exactly toward Kiffin himself. Because I I have always felt like, put me in those shoes, I'm going to go take the dream job of dream jobs. I mean, at that point, USC, you're coming off of Pete Carroll. It was a dynasty that he would be able to take over. I mean, what, in his second year, they were like the number one ranked team in America. They ended up blowing it but you know that's the whole conversation about kiffin himself but like i just i always looked at that and i went i can't fully blame you even if that was a crappy thing to do to leave after one year i still go i may have done that if per se i was at i don't know oregon i don't that's not even a great equivalent it's a program that's not doing that great. And then the Tennessee job came open and you know, it's just my heritage and like where I came from, where I want to live and where I want to be. And it would be so meaningful to me to be able to take over that program. I look at that and go like, I might do that too. I might do that too. I I'm sorry, but I got to do what's right for me and my family. And I've always had Mm -hmm. that feeling about Kiffin, but also I have unbelievable animosity for that situation and especially the hire that Mike Hamilton made after the fact that was the clown that ended up being Derek Dooley. And I think you finally, like I said, exercise that demon. If you can beat Lane Kiffin, it would be a cathartic thing to be like, this is in the past. We beat the, the thing. We've moved past the thing. 
we can let's get it at our it's out of yeah. our system is sort of how i i think it will feel it's so it's it's conflicting it's so, there's a lot going in into this one this week <laughs> I, I expect it to be uh, uh when he came back when he was with alabama in 2014 i I was at that game, and I I stood outside the Alabama tunnel whenever they came out for warmups because I watched from the press box. I watched when Lane Kiffin came into the stadium, and he had uh, before fans were let in, he had like a security guy walking with him everywhere on the sideline. Even then, so when they came out for warmups, just the energy and the I was attention there. was on I was him. There. It, I mean, that was yeah. insane for for an assistant coach. So him being the head coach, uh, I don't think it'll be it, – it's going to be wild. And I, I I would like to go to this game. I'm not going to be able to. But I imagine it's going to be an insane atmosphere. If Tennessee can pull this off, it'd be the biggest win, you know, since that 2016 season, since they beat Florida. Uh, and, and really, it would solidify that Josh Heupel – you know, it's not fool's gold. This guy knows what he's doing. And you should have a little bit of hope that he does because, hey, he's beat Lane Kiffin twice before. That's true. He he has, he at least knows the the feeling of beating Lane Kiffin. He has done it, just not with this particular team. Ole Miss obviously going to be a much better set of players this time. And Josh Eibel does not have, the, the relative talent there is going to be a lot more equal than it was <laughs> UCF playing FAU. But... Um, I, what I, what gives me chills with this game is thinking about if you win the atmosphere at that point, mm-hmm. unfortunately you have to go on the road for two straight weeks and there's a decent chance you lose both, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and that'll be a little deflating, but per se that Georgia game was the very next week. Think what that would have that would be like if you beat Lane Kiffin and then you have a home game the very next week. Now that would be a fully electric, absolutely insane atmosphere. Like we haven't experienced in years and years. I, this one, I think you're ramping up. It feels like a ramp up to a crescendo and you're just, that's true. I, I hope he, I hope he comes through. I really, really do. But I think you rightfully so Tennessee fans should still be sitting and looking and going, all right, let's see. I'm going to be there cheering in the stands, freaking out, but I'm not, you know, I'll be happy when that clock hits zero and Tennessee has the lead. Um, and so as excited you, as I am. Feel, how do you feel about the Tennessee's chances in this game? I would say it's, it's 30, 70 to me. Cause you just don't have the depth. It is pretty brutal. Um, Tennessee is getting some guys back this week. You uh, are, but you lost Juwan Mitchell for the season, uh, yes, that's which not, sucks. Not good news. Yeah, which I mean, and at a position that's just paper thin already, mm-hmm. uh, linebacker. And you can't count on Jeremy Bates at a night game to make it through the whole game without getting ejected. So that's. <laughs> if Banks comes out of a game with this much energy without some boneheaded play where he draws at minimum a 15 yard penalty, I will be incredibly impressed. I will say that. That's my challenge to Jeremy Banks. Come out of this game without a boneheaded penalty, please. I'm begging you. Um, there is you just I I just think you get late into this game. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be really tough against 
the the horses that Ole Miss is putting out there. There, it's a good, really good offense. Yeah, the one the one reason it makes me feel like Tennessee has a chance is just their run defense is really bad. It's ranked one oh six in the nation. I know it's you're only not even quite halfway through the season. Tennessee's ranked number thirty now. Sure, Ole Miss has already played Alabama, some and, and they played Arkansas that put up a lot of yards, but one oh six. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. I mean, they gave up three hundred and fifty rushing yards to Arkansas last week, mm-hmm. and I think we've seen that if Tennessee can run the ball effectively, that changes their whole approach. It opens up that offense so much more. Where I think maybe. Tennessee can hang with the Ole Miss offense as far as scoring points, and then it comes down to which defense. That's where the depth could really hurt Tennessee, but it's not like Ole Miss's defense, even with more depth, is stopping anybody really right now. So here's my my full analysis there. To win this game, I think you have to build up a pretty sizable lead, and that's going to be so tough. Because I I just think – Without a sizable lead, your depth just catches up to you like in the in the fourth quarter. Now, maybe there is an element here of Ole Miss being just worn down because it was so much against Arkansas. They they just really had to leave it all out there. I We, we were really cheering for an overtime game there, uh, but Arkansas decided to go for two uh, and deprive us of that. But I mean, there there is probably as worn out as you could hope that they would be going into this game, and maybe there's an element of that there. But I just feel like if you don't have a 17 point lead going into what ha- halfway through the third quarter, if you don't have a 17 point lead at that portion of the game, I just go there. You know, th- there's 20 points left in Ole Miss at that point. I think because um, th- their, their offense is just ridiculous. I mean, they're, they're, they're averaging almost 600 yards a game. I mean, it's just, it's a machine. And I, it's just hard for me to imagine that. Now, Alabama held them to 21. It's possible. Alabama held them to 21 and then gave up, what, 40 to uh, Texas A&M. So, you know, it, it can be stopped to a certain extent, but ten- Tennessee ain't Alabama. And uh, I, I just... It's hard for me to imagine that depth does not catch up to you at some point in this game. Now, can Tennessee get that kind of a lead? I think so. I think they can. I think I will not be surprised if Tennessee's up by 14 points at halftime in this game. 10 points at halftime of this game because you come in with a fresh defense and a fresh offense. Tennessee's offense can absolutely go toe-to-toe with Ole Miss. And then, like you said, I mean, their defense is abysmal. And then Tennessee's fresh defense maybe gets a couple stops. And so you, you you put together a couple stops, Tennessee going toe-to-toe with Ole Miss's offense. Maybe you have a 10-point lead at halftime. I don't know. I, I would say I won't be surprised, but I'm not sure if it's likely. I think the only way this is uh, – I was just looking at Twitter here. It looks like, it looks like the Tennessee football, the athletic department, is officially endorsing the checker Neyland efforts this weekend uh there's a checker kneeling account uh and that they've retweeted this account with some uh, little eyeball emojis so it looks like they're they're formally endorsing checkering it for uh for this jamminess Ole Miss but I think the only way the only way Tennessee beats Ole Miss because I know you mentioned about getting a few stops I'm, I'm not that confident in Tennessee's ability to 
make Ole Miss go three and out. Maybe you get stop them one or two plays in a row, but stopping them three plays in a row. I mean, that, Lane Kiffin and Josh Heupel are two of the best play callers in college football. They get guys open. Lane Kiffin is going to get guys open against Tennessee. He's going to get a lot of guys open. Heupel's going to get guys open too. I think Tennessee has to have at least four turnovers in this game to win. And I know that's a big number, but I think that's the way it has to go. If Tennessee gets four turnovers, that's four possessions where Ole Miss does not score. You've obviously you got to turn those into points. But I think that's the only way Tennessee really wins this game is if they can force Ole Miss to make some mistakes. It's a great point. I uh, that's going to be tough. You have been forcing turnovers, which is nice. Uh, what two, two against South Carolina? Um, so possible that. I mean, this it's going to be a tough take. game either way. Yeah, I mean, this, this is my whole take on this game. Possible to win? Absolutely. Will I be totally flat-out stunned if Tennessee wins this game? No, I will not be. You have a set of players that has the ability to win this game. You just have to... Specifically, I, that's a great point with the turnovers. you got to have some bounces go your way. you got to have some bounces go your way. And maybe you force fumbles. you got to make sure you fall on them. Uh, you know, you got to make sure when it, when an interception hits you in the hands, catch it. Like there, there are just some things like that where you kind of make your own luck. You got to make the bounces go your way. You do have, you're going to have an insane kneeling crowd behind you. So it's going to be tough for Ole Miss. You know, they, they had that home crowd against Arkansas. There, there's a lot mm-hmm. going against Ole Miss in this game, which is why, mm-hmm. why I say it's a distinct possibility that Tennessee wins this. It's just going to be, it's a lot to ask of Josh Heupel in this first year with this decimated roster. Even though you're getting some guys back, it's it's just a lot to ask because of how stout Ole Miss's offense has been. They, I just think they, ultimately, they're probably going to outrun you, and it's it will suck if that happens. But I could look at that as long as it's close and go, that's a really admirable effort against a team that simply is just better is just in a better place than you i I could be at peace with that even if i'm angry at a loss or or disappointed by a loss well if you look at it and you know that tennessee just ran out of gas they just ran out of guys and you understand that that's a problem that that's going to get fixed that it's out of hypo's hands that'll make you feel a little bit better about it i mean a loss is a loss Uh, tennessee can beat them obviously we think it's possible but this isn't a game that anybody's expecting Tennessee to win. It's not like last week when I almost felt like maybe we were going into that game with the way everyone was talking about it with our analysis of it, just a little overconfident. I mean, that after Missouri, everybody's like, yeah, that, that South Carolina game is a, is an automatic win was kind of the vibe. And it ended up being an automatic win nearly, Um, but Ole Miss is a lot better than South Carolina. And, I do see a few overconfident fans. It's easy to get hyped right now after what we've seen Tennessee do the last couple of weeks. But, you know, this is an Ole Miss team that's really good. Lane Kiffin's really going to want that defense to play better this week. He was pretty pissed off about the defense in his postgame interview after they beat Arkansas. I mean, he pretty much lambasted the whole unit uh, in front of national television and said that they played as badly as they possibly could have played. Uh, so I imagine they're going to want to get a lot better defensively this week. Um, I hadn't looked at the exact stats of this game <laughs> of Ole Miss and Arkansas. They gave up 600-
176 yards. Oh, yeah, their defense is bad, really bad. <laughs> that is pretty brutal. I mean, 326 through the air to KJ Jefferson and then 350 yards on the ground. Arkansas, to your point about turnovers, Arkansas had two two recovered turnovers. They they forced two turnovers and still lost. Um, and so I, I think four is probably an accurate number. You just have to have the you have to have the ideal situation play out here. And I think for Tennessee, the ideal situation is that you use the home crowd against you as like a win to your back, and then you stun Ole Miss early in the game where you you go up 17-0 like really quickly. And then they're just on their heels for the rest of the game, trying to fight back, trying to fight back. Like you make you force Corral to throw the ball, you know. And because because they Ole Miss in this game uh, against Arkansas, 324 rushing yards, 287 passing. Now, Corral is is good. He can certainly be really good. He I would say he is the best quarterback in the SEC, uh, all things considered. And but you you force him to go through the air, get them on their heels and you're in an advantageous position at that point. Um and I think you'll put yourself in the best position to win. If you get behind and then you're fo- forced to throw a whole lot, I, I, I just don't, I don't love that because that's not your strong suit. Your strong suit is a nice mix of run and pass where you can mm-hmm. lull, lull the opposing team to sleep with, with effective running and then hit them over the top. They, I mean, it's what, exactly what they did against South Carolina. And so it, again, possible, but to me, not likely. Uh, but uh, I mean, I, I could just see you come out powerful first few drives. Defense gets a couple of stops. You, you get a 14, 17 point lead. That home crowd is bearing down on Ole Miss. You could stun them. You could stun them and, and really set them back. And that, that would be great. I, I hope that happens. That's, that's just to me, that's the path to victory right there. And, and is that the most likely thing to happen? I don't think so. Uh, one other interesting note about this game is both of these teams are going to have a little bit of extra insight on each other because the Ole Miss offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, was Josh Heupel's offensive coordinator <laughs> for two true. years at UCF. So I'm sure there's lots of information flowing from Jeff Levy to Lane Kiffin this week about what Josh Heupel kind of does and, and some of the, the wrinkles that he could implement. And likewise, Heupel should know you know, a little inside information on Levy. I'm not really sure how the Ole Miss play calling system set up. I think Levy is calling plays now, but it's still Lane Kiffin's offense. So I'm not sure how much of a factor that will be, but still an interesting side note. That is interesting. It's, this is a fascinating one, man. There, there's so much mm-hmm. ethos here. I would suggest to everybody, go listen to the post game show that I had with Johnny Crom. I know I, I say that basically every week now, but really do. He was Lane Kiffin's quarterback at Tennessee. Jonathan Crompton was. He has this fascinating story about Kiffin that he told near the end of the postgame show. It's well, well worth your time. Um, but uh, on on the whole, I, I so, so badly want to win this game. And it was funny talking to Crompton because he definitely has a lot of affection for Kiffin and he was kind of hedging. It sort of seemed like just like, yeah, I want to win because it's Tennessee. Link Kiffin's still my guy. Though. Like, and yeah, I get it. And it's to and and I I said to him in that post game like it's visceral for Tennessee fans, mm-hmm. where you just 
you want to get this monkey off your back and just go, we're done. We can be done with Lane Kiffin. We can stop talking about him. We beat him. We don't need him back. We beat him. Like that would mm-hmm. just be so. Oh, it would. Yeah. So it would end, I think it would end the infatuation. End the infatuation with him, like you kind of alluding to earlier, for sure. Exactly. And it, that would be so, so amazing. It, it would because be. The, the one thing Tennessee fans have always kind of said is don't hire a coach who lost to the previous coach, which is <laughs> like Butch Jones lost to Derek Dooley and you know, other ones that have been mentioned. So, yeah, it would end it. Yes. Make sure. That at, at some point we we gotta just get that monkey off our back, and you're not gonna have many chances to to play Link if and unfortunately it's in Josh Heupel's very first year with a thin team. Um, but man, it would just be so huge. Well, let's let's end it here. We're running up uh, on an hour. I actually got ribs in the oven that I gotta go tend to here in a mm-hmm. second uh, for dinner. Um, score score prediction oh. for this game. How are you feeling before we head out, Zach? Uh, whew. Well, first off, we we both you were you were fairly close on Tennessee South Carolina last week. You had thirty eight twenty one. Uh, oh so, man, I was close. Yeah, huh. not far. I, I had thirty one seventeen. So you were you were right on it there, just one really one score away. Uh, whew, this is this is about the the toughest one I've seen. Is a Danny White tweet comes in? He says, "Go ahead and text your buddies. He's in for Checker Nealon. That's uh." Well, you could tell. I I looked at the tweet. So there was this Checker Nealon account that popped up. It's brand new. Yeah, it's obviously a a school. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's existed since December 2017. I wonder if it's some account they already had and they switched it Mm. over to Checker Nealon or something. One of the only followers was Bill Martin, who's the sports information director for the mm-hmm. football team. Uh, and then they immediately after the Checker Nealon tweeted, they the uh, football team retweeted them. So it's it's a coordinated campaign. You can say that. So Checker Nealon coming. Does that weigh into your decision? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> so that that does not change my prediction at all. I'm going to go with what I had r- <laughs> r- written down. Uh, I. I- <laughs> I have to go with Ole Miss. I mean, it, if Tennessee was deeper, maybe. Uh, because I do think, like like we've talked about, I think Tennessee can beat them. But I, I have Ole Miss 48, Tennessee 41. If this is next year and Heupel has a top 25 class under his belt, which hopefully get it together. It better be top 25. Anywho, that's a discussion for the offseason. Uh, has a top 25 recruiting class under his belt. He, you're getting Hinden Hooker back, and you know your team will just have a little more depth. This is next year. In this exact scenario, with a similar team to what Ole Miss has right now, I'm probably picking Tennessee because there is we, we've said it here a lot of momentum moving in Tennessee's direction with this game. Ole Miss just out outlasts you with depth, so I'll say 43-37. They, I, I could even see that it's like 37, 36 and you know, it's late. Like you, you kick a field goal to make it 37, 36. You take the lead. Oh my gosh. All we got to do is get one stop to stop Ole Miss. And then they score a touchdown and beat. Like I could see it being that, that close. I think it's, it could be a razor's edge. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't think Ole Miss is going to stop Tennessee. No, I don't. I don't. I, I think it's going to be very high scoring. And I and I think that this will be a, a chess match of great offenses. 
um, just as this Arkansas game was for Ole Miss. And I just Ole, Ole Miss just has the manpower in this scenario. It sucks. It, it's the situation that Jeremy Pruitt left you in. And that, you know, I, I, I would say expect this, but hoping for the best. Use the momentum. Go and win this game. Prove me wrong. All I have ever wanted as an analyst for Tennessee is to be proven wrong. And they very seldom ever do uh, that. If so, they, so if they, the Tennessee-Alabama game is at 7 on the following Saturday, or 7, 7.30. It's a night game. Uh, if Tennessee beats Ole Miss, I think they might sneak into the top 25. I think you definitely will. Yes, I could definitely see like a college game day, you know, Tennessee Alabama game. It would have a lot of hype. Weirdly, um, maybe not since it's in it's in Tuscaloosa. Oh, that's true. Yeah, maybe maybe not. I think they. I think college game day, they like coming to Knoxville. If they're going to Alabama, they're probably going for a bigger game than that. Yeah, for like the LSU SEC game, that's SEC Nation. Yeah, yeah, maybe you, SEC, you get Nation. SEC Nation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would actually say almost certainly Tennessee would be in the top 25. If you win this game, you got, yeah, you got like eight votes this week. Um, so I, you're on the edge. You're probably like 30 to 35 right now. And this would launch you up there. Um, I, does that, I, I guess it sort of depends on what happens this weekend with Alabama too. This after watching that AM game, do you look forward to that? Alabama game. I, I'll say this. The Alabama game follows a win by Tennessee against Ole Miss. Do you look at that and go like, maybe? maybe oh, yeah. Tennessee if, Tennessee, be- if Tennessee beats Ole Miss by October 21st, I'm going to, yeah, I'll probably be talking so much trash and I'll be able to back <laughs> it up. And I'm usually not that way. But at that point, you got two weeks. Isn't it? No, the bye, the bye week is after the Alabama game, isn't it? Yeah, you have to buy Halloween, Halloween weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Tennessee's beating Alabama this year, but if they beat Ole Miss, I'm going to look for, yeah, I'm going to be look. I bet there will be people on ESPN picking that as like their upset game of the week or something. I could see it. I They looked, I, not certainly not pedestrian, but they looked beatable. That Texas A&M team is not, mm-hmm. there's a reason they lost to Mississippi State. There is a reason yeah. they lost to LS, LSU, right? I think. Like, No, no, they... No. Who, they have two losses. Yeah, I can't remember. It was in back-to-back back weeks. But who, whoever was. Um, like, there's a reason they lost those games. And they beat yeah. Alabama. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we feel about yeah, it. I, I mean, I'll tell you this. I would be more confident in beating Alabama than I would be Georgia at this point. That, I hate that. I agree. I totally <laughs> agree. Al, Georgia's defense is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Arkansas is the other team to beat Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Arkansas. Yes, yes, yes. Now, that game was very close. Yeah. It was a Mississippi State game, but... uh, Man. But, yeah, I, 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 Georgia's... I, I would rather see Alabama win three more championships in a row than see Georgia win one. Yes. Oh, my gosh. How unbearable would that be? They would be the worst. It would be terrible. Have you seen a team that you think can score 24 points on Georgia? I don't like how who has scored the most points on on Georgia? Clemson scored 
seven. Oh, they've only given up thirty three points this entire season, I believe. Oh my gosh! Like every Arkansas combined. scored Zippo. Arkansas scored none. Uh, let's see, week over week, uh, three. Oh, sorry, Clemson only scored three. I thought it was ten seven. Uh, UAB scored a touchdown. Congratulations to them. South Carolina scored thirteen. South Carolina scored the most against Georgia, forty to thirteen. Uh, and then they blanked Vanderbilt, blanked Arkansas. Arkansas uh, Auburn scored ten. I mean, so yeah, that's K- Kentucky's yeah, definitely that's... not. If Kentucky finds a way to win that game, the final score will be seventeen to fourteen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I there no. There's just that doesn't. I yeah, I mean, I don't have any faith. I, May- I don't know. Maybe Oklahoma can score on them, but they're going to give up a bunch of points. But I don't believe in Iowa. I don't believe Iowa no. would match up well at all with Georgia, and Cincinnati definitely does not have the talent. to. Cincinnati's not a – they're top five, but they're not really top five. You know, they're no. not going to compete with those teams. Like, if they went and played Alabama, they'd get blown out. Well, everybody say your prayers for two things. Uh, that Tennessee beats Ole Miss, and that I don't know uh, that Georgia team gets taken into a different dimension via black hole. <laughs> and then we don't have to that. deal with them anymore. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I will take uh, it. I hate it. No, I think that's it. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Thank, seriously, thank you so much to everybody who's listened. We had our most listened to episode ever last week. Appreciate it so much um, to everybody out there who's tuning in. I don't know why you'd want to listen to this absolute nonsense, but I'm glad that you do. Uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, rate, review, subscribe, uh, A to Z Sports.com for everything that me and Zach write. And otherwise... We will talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. Go out again.